Hi guys, good evening. Charlotte here from Enriching Environments on Tuesday evening. And I'm so sorry that I'm late for Top Tip Tuesday this evening. I've just had some technical issues with my VPN for the past half hour, but I'm here now. Um, few and we are all sorted. Uh, thank you so much for everyone being patient who wanted to join. Hi, Catherine. Um, hello to everyone joining. And this evening we're going to be talking about sibling dynamics and welcoming a new baby into the home and all of the emotions that that brings up. And um, hi, Nada. Um, all of the feelings that that brings up for everyone, for the siblings and for ourselves, parents, you know, and primary caregivers. It's a really. <sighs> It's a really challenging time. It can be a really challenging time because, of course, we have very little people who um, then have to welcome an even smaller little person. Hi, Nada. Hi, Catherine. Um, and it's really, really challenging. Um, I remember a friend saying before I had Harry that the, the weirdest thing about having, when you have your second baby, is that when you get home from hospital, like the the older child, it suddenly seems really, really massive because you've got a newborn. And um, I'm wondering if anyone on here feels the same. I can still remember that feeling of seeing, uh, hi Jo, of, uh, of Olivia meeting Harry for the same time, uh, uh, for the first time, and how tiny Harry, um, Harry seemed compared to Olivia. Olivia was a giant. I mean, she was only two years and three months, but it was so funny. I can still remember that so clearly. And so when this new baby arrives, this little person, what's really hard is then the older sibling is just plunged into a whole different world. And of course, they're going to have these feelings of excitement and newness and, well, thrill and joy and love for their new sibling. But they're going to be really, really conflicted as well. You know, they're their mum and their dad, who previously they may have had undivided attention, more or less of, they're going to have to share. You know, you remember what those newborn days are like, you know, babies need a lot of attention, they need a lot of feeding, a lot of the time, and it's a really, really tricky time um, for us to navigate. We are tired, we have hormonal changes, of course, after giving birth, no matter what our birth looked like. Um, so it's really, really difficult. I can still remember... Um, four and a half years ago, that uh, that juggling act of trying to make sure you're attending to a newborn's needs whilst looking after and um, nurturing a, a two-year-old at the same time. And it's a really, a, it's a tricky balancing act. So this evening, what we're going to talk about is, um, yeah, this big change, the conflicted feelings um, the older child may have or older children may have, um, how that can manifest, what that's going to look like and um and how we can support them through it how we can love um our children through this big transition and as kind of we know more and more um from neuroscience and we know more and more and understand more and more as parents is that these big transitions that happen in our children's lives how we handle them will have an impact on um how they handle them if we are able to be clear and concise and truthful and loving in whatever's happening in their world, then that's going to set them up better to succeed. That's going to set them up for these transitions or these disappointments or when things really, really shift in their lives, like the arrival of a new baby. And um, 
we can set them up for resilience for later in their life when things get tough and things get difficult. So this is part of the bigger picture of our children's emotional health. And we can't control everything and we can't control every single scenario. But I'm going to give you a few little things we can do this evening, well, in pretty much in any situation, but what we can do specifically for um, sibling dynamics that can really, that can really, really support them. So, as we go through, if you have any questions, please just dive in and ask your questions. I'm going to take a sip of water. And sorry for my slightly croaky throat. Harry had a um, bit of a, a cough and a fever yesterday. Um, so we had a day at home today. And um, I think I might have got a little bit of a, <clears throat> a little bit of that in my frog in my throat myself now. So um, sibling dynamics when we welcome a new baby. So firstly, um, no matter how well we've prepared our child, the older child or the older children, it's a huge change, isn't it? Welcoming a new baby. Um, we they would have picked up on our energy during pregnancy, they would have picked up on our emotion during pregnancy, um, they would have picked up on everything we're feeling, you know, we're not able to play with them as much or as as rumbustrously as we did before, we're not going to be able to chase and tickle and do all those things, you know, as we get further into the pregnancy and we feel more tired and obviously movement's more restricted, the bigger our tummy gets, so that our children would have started to sense this energy shift and will be less available perhaps because we're probably more tired during pregnancy. So this is um, all part of uh, preparing our bodies, obviously, and, and part of the emotional preparation for our, for our child for when the, the new baby comes. And when, as I said before, when the, when the new baby comes, they're going to have conflicted feelings. There's going to be so much excitement and love and curiosity about this new little gorgeous person in their lives. Um, and wonder, that sense of joy and wonder that Olivia had at seeing Harry, I can still remember so clearly. Um, but of course, the, the conflicted feelings are, you know, mum doesn't have a time for me anymore. She's feeding the whole time. Um, she's tired the whole time, she's, if she's not feeding, she's having a nap, you know, all of these things. And um, even though, you know, your partner might be super, super supportive, you might have family around you that are super supportive or home help, you know, sometimes they just want to be with their, with their mama and they don't want their mama to be feeding or bathing or doing any of those other things. So it's all completely normal for these feelings of of, of jealousy and sadness and all of those things and they will be conflicted and really really and really really you know messy as it were you know it will be able to it will look like um you know one moment they're being really affectionate and the next moment they're hitting them and it seems to come out of nowhere but that is is really a, a reflection of what's going on inside them what's going on inside of their head and their heart and their bodies so um it's completely normal that's the first thing i want to reassure you with it's not that there's anything wrong with your child. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. These really intense feelings are completely normal and the behavior that goes alongside it is completely normal as well. So let me talk about what it can manifest like, what these conflicted feelings can manifest like. So it can um, result in babyish behavior, sort of suddenly our child asking to be helped with everything, you know, when previously they were quite independent. Um, other areas where they may show signs of, um, I don't really like the word regression, but you know, a step back can be um, in their sleep, in um, their eating, and in their bathroom independence. You know, they can be they can be sort of bathroom independent without nappies, for example, and then they suddenly start um, 
having misses or not being dry at night anymore, things like that. It's all completely normal. They might suddenly demand to be fed with the spoon when they've been eating independently for ages, months, you know, for example. Um, <clears throat> and their sleep may be disrupted as well. You know, waking up and asking to be held in the night and things. Um, so that's, uh, this sort of regressions are completely normal. Um, and that's what, how it can manifest. Um, they can be seemingly demanding of attention at the most inconvenient moments, you know. Um, they will suddenly have a tantrum in the middle of when you're feeding, you know, and there's no way that you can help them. And, and that's completely normal. It, it's, it's unconscious, you know. Our, it, what's really important to know is that our children are not capable of being manipulative in these situations. They're not capable of... Um, trying to engineer these situations to get our sympathy. It's all unconscious. Hi, Huda. It's all unconscious. Any behavior that they are demonstrating will be unconscious. They are. It's a sign that they're hurting. It's a sign that they want to connect in some way, but they don't know how to do that appropriately. Um, and so this um, unconsciously they'll behave in, in, they can behave in ways that will be attention-seeking. Um, you know, as I said, like having a tantrum at the most inconvenient moments. And then the last thing, uh, one of the other things, um, but the last in my list for this evening on um, how this, these conflicted feelings can manifest is through aggression. And actually on the dad vibes, it was someone had asked a question about this in, uh, relative to her five-year-old son, who she has noticed has become very aggressive with both her younger child and the newborn, the three-month-old. And, um, and the aggression is is probably the hardest to deal with, isn't it? Because um, the last thing we want is to see any of our children hurting, you know, to, to see a five-year-old, you know, hit a baby or pinch a baby or hurt a baby is really, really, really hard. Um, you know, to see any of our children hurting for any reason. And so this really calls for our, us to draw upon our, our, our reserves of, 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 of inner wisdom and strength, you know. It really, really calls for it. It's um it's not it's not easy but know that when our child is being aggressive they are hurting that's what it is they are hurting and they are confused and our work is to um and what i put here um together is the broad umbrella is just to love them through it if we can love them through whatever is happening in their lives whatever transitional they're going through whether it's a new baby or it's something else you know um new school or a big change in their lives or their rhythm it's just loving them through it and the way for me um that uh what that looks like for me is in in three ways um and uh it's firstly validating what they're feeling, validating what's going on and sort of um, narrating what's going on. So for the five-year-old that, that hits the baby, it's something like validating the feeling. I can see you're really frustrated and then narrate what's going on. I know you don't want to hurt um, your baby brother. Um, I'm going to keep us all safe. I'm going to sit right here and keep us all safe. And obviously, if you need to, to block their hands or what have you, you would do that. But it's more creating a sense of safety. And so that the child who's being aggressive doesn't feel that they're bad or being naughty in any way. It's preventing them from doing what they're doing, but emphasizing that you're keeping everyone safe. You're not um, making it about them because the feelings that they have in their body are so intense and so overwhelming. That's why it's coming out as aggression. And I know that's not easy to hear and that's 
even harder to act from a rational place on. But honestly, know that it's just because there's so much going on inside, they can't handle it. And this is why they're lashing out. So the, the, the first thing to do is to validate what you're feeling. I can see you're really upset. You must be really upset or you must be really frustrated to be doing that. I'm here to keep you safe. I'm right here next to you or something like that. So validating and that connection is I'm right here next to you. I'm going to sit really close. Um, I'm going to keep us all safe or I'm here to keep you safe. Those type of things, you know, calm and reassuring. Try a couple of sentences out and see what feels right for you. You know, the, the right words that will feel right and comfortable for you. That's what's the that's what's really, really important. So um, so that you feel natural when you're when you're saying it. Um, for the first couple of times, it might feel a bit wooden, but you'll find your script, you know, you'll get into the flow of, of saying um, saying what feels right to you and then it'll come naturally. So connection is the second thing. First thing, so for loving them through this, the first thing is validating. I can see you're really frustrated or you must be really upset to, to do that. I know you don't want to hurt your little sister. I know you don't want to hurt your baby brother, whatever it might be. Then connection, I'm right here for you. I'm here to keep you safe. And as I say, you may have to physically block and that's absolutely fine, but it's not out of like a, a punishment or of anger. It's a uh, um, I'm here to keep you, you safe. I'm going to keep your hands here. I'm going to give you a big hug so your hands are safe or whatever it is, something like that. Emphasizing that it's safety. You're keeping everybody safe. Um, not that they are like a threat to anybody else. Um, we, we don't want to say, oh, you're being aggressive or what have you, because then that, you know, they've already got these intense feelings inside that are coming out in such inappropriate ways. And then if we put a label on it that they're naughty or they're bad or aggressive, it just exacerbates it and makes it worse. Um, and then the third thing we're going to do in these situations is we're going to problem solve together. So um, it's acknowledging. So say, I don't know, say this comes about when um, you're feeding or you're um, doing something with baby. So it's problem solving together. You're acknowledging that uh, I can see it's really hard um, to not have my full attention when I'm feeding baby or when I'm changing baby's nappy. Um, what would you like to do when I'm feeding baby that's going to help you feel supported? And I know that sounds a lot for a two-year-old, but I promise you it works. We can start problem-solving with our children from a really, really young age. Hi, Raluca. We don't need to um, expect that they're going to have all the answers, but we are sending them such a strong sense of, giving them such a strong sense of power if we are already assuming that they know what their needs are and that we can think of a solution together. So that's that problem solving is so important. You know, I can see you, it's really hard for you to wait when I'm feeding baby and it takes such a long time. I used to say that to Olivia. I know, do you know, it took such a long time to feed you when you were newborn as well. Newborns need to drink so much milk and you were exactly the same. So sort of narrating, telling the story, um, being really, really empathic to what you're, um, and sympathetic to what your older child is going through. Um, you're not minimizing it. You still need to feed baby, that's for sure. But um, what can you do together with your older child? Ask them, invite them into that problem solving. Um, I can see it's really hard for you to wait. What can we do together? Would you like to read together? Would you want to sit really close to me? 
um, and do some drawing whilst, uh, whilst baby's having, hi, our secret lab, whilst baby's having a feed, invite them into problem solving um, so that they become, so they can develop that agency. So they are um, and that's what's really, really important. So this is, it's important to note that this is a really, really big picture, big perspective on this. It's not something that is um, solved overnight. When, our, when we have a newborn, for the older sibling, it may be difficult for, um, hi everyone who's joining, for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or maybe even a couple of years. You know, it, these are, are feelings that will ebb and flow and behaviours that will ebb and flow. And if we can come back to this broad idea of loving our child through it, they're not, you know, they can't control their jealousy or these strong feelings and these emotions and these sensations in their bodies that are so uncomfortable. They can't, um, they can't help them. They're there and they're little people and they don't have a developed enough prefrontal cortex for problem solving and reasoning um, and, uh, and reasoning and logical rational thought um, to be able to understand okay I need to wait because baby's feeding they can't think like that they have their immediate needs and that's the place that they're in but we can work with them love them through it think about how I can love them through it we're gonna um, validate their feelings I can see you're really frustrated I can see it's really hard to wait um, and we're gonna connect I'm here to keep you safe block hands if there's aggression that's completely normal um, and also if they're displaying sort of very babyish behavior and saying oh I want my nappy to be changed now lying down or or this regression you know you can make that into a game you know think of that connection element how can you connect in a way that's going to make your child feel really loved and really seen in that moment so you might not want to go back to putting them in nappy you might not want to go back to spoon feeding them if they're two years old for example but what kind of get inside their brain for a moment what nurturing are they really really asking for what nourishment are they asking for from you in that moment that you can give them that will make them feel loved they are asking to be treated like a baby because one they have these feelings of jealousy because this little person is being treated like a baby and has everything to do and has everything done for them but mostly they just want that attention they want to go back to that stage where there's that undivided attention that you have with them so what pockets during the day where can you give them your undivided attention where you can make them feel so nourished and so nurtured and you can fill that little love tank. Where are those pockets during the day that you can do that? Um, uh, so that's the connection part. And the third part is problem solving together. Even for a two-year-old, you can say, what can we do together whilst baby's feeding? Can I read a book? Do you want to snuggle and read a book? Or do you want to sit next to me and do a puzzle? Or do you want to sit next to me and do some drawing? Um, or would you like to prepare your snack? You know, if you've got your home set up in a way where your two-year-old can access what they need, there's no reason that they couldn't prepare a snack, you know, when, um, you know, when you're feeding. You can say, oh, would you like to cut some watermelon? Then when, we've, when I finish feeding, I'd love to have some watermelon with you or whatever it might be, you know. It's really um, 
asking them what they'd like to do and involving them, making them an active participant in their, in their environment so that they can feel like a useful human being and so that their feelings and their preferences are being honoured and they're working on their problem-solving muscle, which isn't developed till much later, but we can help grow it and develop and nurture the problem-solving from a really, really young age if we give our children the opportunity to do so. Now, I've said a huge amount very, very quickly. Does anyone have any questions while I have a sip of water? I don't think so, unless we've got a massive delay. I don't think we've got any. And it's weird, I'm on stage of losing my voice. I'm sorry, I've gone really, really croaky. So I think that's everything that we wanted to say for Sibling Dynamics. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. So your key points, your key takeaways to remember um, for welcoming a new baby in the Sibling Dynamics is it's a huge change. They're going to have conflicted feelings and they're going to veer from joy to... Um, <clears throat> oh, Nada, that's a great question. Um, Nada has just said... Uh, question is, what should we say when the toddler says that they don't love their sister? Um, you can firstly just, um, hi Sam, you can first of all, Nada, just check in with your body and check in with yourself to know that you're feeling in your body that your child is just expressing a really, really strong feeling from within them that they don't understand. Just know that, like the same that if they're being aggressive, um, <laughs> oh yeah, or love you. Um, if they're being aggressive, they're out of control and they have these intense feelings. You know, saying that they don't love you or they don't love their sister, it's the same. They've got these really, really horrible feelings inside that they don't know what to do with. And so they're just taking it out on someone else. And we do that as adults, right? So um, you don't need to place any, attach any importance to that. If she says she doesn't love her sister, it's hard to hear, but it doesn't mean anything, honestly. It's... Um, you can say, um, I can hear you saying that, you don't love your sister. I love you very, very much. And give her a big snuggle. And that's it. You know, we don't need to do any more. We just need them to not have to work for our love, just to just rest in our love and love them through it. I love you very much. And I know that she loves you very much too. And she's going to go, yeah, but I don't like her. I hate you and I don't love you. And it's like, yeah, I hear you saying that. I love you very much. Papa loves you very much. Your baby sister loves you very much. And that's what we just keep. It's like an affirmation, right? You know, the more we do our affirmations, the more we believe them ourselves. Um, so don't be freaked out by that. You know, that's, um, a, uh, that's Yasmina's version of hittings for some child you know, they would hit and be aggressive because that would be their stage and their stage of impulse control, you know, in that scenario. But Yasmina is verbalizing it, which is great. You know, she's not hurting her little sister, but still it's very hurtful to us, isn't it? Those words feel very, very hurtful, but we don't need to attach any importance to it at all. You just affirm that you love her. Papa loves her and her little sister loves her. Um, I know that sounds really simple, but honestly, I promise you, it is that simple. Um, it's just loving her through it. Um, and that's all we need to do. Thank you for your question, Nada. Are there any more questions I can help you with? Before my voice goes, <laughs> my croaky voice goes. 
and um, next week for Top Tip Tuesday we're going to be looking at language development and this has um, come up because on my last podcast interview with Trisha Mokino of the Keres tribe of Cachita Pueblo in New Mexico we spoke about her language immersion program which has been devised to revitalize the language of the Keres people and talking about and we were talking about in the podcast about the importance of language and cultural heritage and how those two are intrinsically linked so we're going to talk about language development and how important it is for us to honor our mother tongue and um, to not speak English or to see English as superior to what our mother tongue and our cultural heritage is. Um, everyone who's worked on me, who's come on the call, knows that I'm so passionate about people speaking their mother tongue to their children, particularly here in the Arab world where lots of people sort of veer towards English rather than speaking Arabic. And um, so we're going to talk about the importance of your language and your culture um, next week and maintaining your cultural heritage which is just more valuable than anything else in raising our children um, so yes that's coming up for next week and what else do I have I have my meditations for children online I have the Montessori mission podcast episode five is coming out next week that is next Thursday and that is with Barbara Isaacs who is the uh, president of Montessori Europe. She's the former head of Montessori Centre International in London, where I studied 10 years ago. And I'm so delighted she's going to be joining me, or she has joined me, and we've recorded that podcast episode. She has um, experience as a Montessori uh, educator, running a training college, being a Montessori trainer, being a Montessori mummy, and being a Montessori granny. And so she has a huge breadth of experience to share with us. And I think you're going to love her episode of the podcast as well so I look forward to seeing you um, next Tuesday for Top Tip Tuesday we're going to talk language development and the importance of bilingualism and multilingualism in the home and then next Thursday is episode five of the Montessori Mission podcast so I will see you on social media I'm sure don't hesitate to keep sending me your DMs for your requests for Instagram live and anything else that's going on in your world any questions don't hesitate to message me Thank you so much for joining me, everyone, this evening. And I look forward to seeing you, same place, same time, well, hopefully earlier next week uh, for Top Tip Tuesday. Take care. Have a beautiful week. Bye-bye.